This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Yeshua is coming back for his bride, not the church. There's a difference. It's a crucial identity shift that every believer must understand to better represent both themselves and the Almighty. Alan McGuire explains what it takes to make that shift and what it means to do the works that identify you as Yeshua's spotless bride. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. What does it mean to be the bride of Christ and how does that differ from being the church? It's a matter of how you identify and makes a bigger difference than you think. Indeed, Alan McGuire will make you think tonight. It's the second episode of How to Navigate the Greater Exodus. And speaking of the Exodus, we are smack dab in the middle of the Feast of Sukkot. We are on the third Shabbat of the seventh month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. Sukkot started on a Thursday and goes through next week. So let's talk more about the details of these high holy days, especially Sukkot with the chief op operating officer of Arud Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Well, I know that's a whole mouthful, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Scott. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live, folks. We hope you're having a wonderful Sabbath. Now, before we get into Sukkot, uh, just a reminder that the uh, Yom Teruah event, uh, if you saw it, if you didn't see it, doesn't matter. If you ordered the DVD, that's what matters. It is available Monday. We're starting to ship it out Monday. Right. All the copies have been made. This is something you can share with your friends and your family. If you saw the event, you know there was more than one session there that is a little touchy subjects and kind of, kind of uh, some scary stuff. So yeah. we want to encourage you to get the DVD, pass it around to friends and family. We know that censorship is big in this world. That may be the only bastion of hope that we have left yes. to pass things around is literally with a DVD or a Blu-ray. That's correct, so Scott. And listen, you know, Scott, you did a fantastic job uh, last week explaining Yom Teruah. So now here we are in the Feast of Sukkot. Now, Scott, I have heard a lot of different terms around this feast, the Feast mm -hmm. of Sukkot, Sukkah, what is all of this? And explain the Feast of Sukkot to us. So Sukkot means booths, and a sukkah oh. is a single booth. And this okay. is where Yeshua was born. The, the first day of Sukkot is actually Yeshua's real birthday, if you didn't know that. So he was born in a sukkah. What do you think was in the back of the inn where they didn't have room for Mary That's and right. Joseph? He was born in a sukkah. That's, That's where right. they were. Makes total sense. The sukkah represents when Yeshua, or Yehovah, came down to to uh, dwell with his people yes. in the desert, and it also commemorates when Yeshua came down to dwell with his people sure. in bodily form. It makes perfect sense. Yeshua, Yehovah makes perfect sense. Uh, it's not a, he's not a God of confusion, he makes sense. So, it's known as, yes, Ted, the Feast of Sukkot. It's okay. also known as a Feast of Ingathering. Yes. Uh, that has many different names. So it's a week-long festival known as the Feast of Tabernacles, probably most, most commonly. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's also known, like we said, the Feast of Ingathering. Feast of Booths, that's another one because yeah. uh, a, su a sukkah can also be a booth that's because right. it's a three-sided uh, building with a roof on right. top. Or simply Sukkot. So That's right. no matter what you call it, it's all the same thing. So during this feast, we are to live in a temporary dwelling. So basically, yes, pitch a tent in the backyard is really That's what right. this is, right? right? And you can even do it on a, on a uh, balcony. A friend of mine in Toronto, Canada, lived in a high rise mm. in a very uh, Jewish area of, of uh, Toronto. And everybody right. in the building was Jewish. They even had a, a Shabbat elevator. You ever heard of Shabbat elevator? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stops, yeah. At, every Stops at every floor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they had a Shabbat elevator, yeah, so we yeah. didn't have to touch the button. That's right. So anyway, uh, he lived there, and he put a sukkah on his balcony. That's right. So you can do this well, anywhere. And you know, Scott, uh, it's really to not... Uh, dwell or reside in your normal place, is it not? Is yeah, that that's not right, correct? that's right. Because a, a normal place for us being spiritual beings is our spiritual home with Yehovah, right? Right, right. For eternity. Right. But something outside of that is this little thing we call life. 
And yeah. so that's what the sukkah is meant to be. It's mm. meant to represent our life. You are here for a temporary time. You are here to focus on Yehovah and depend on him like you did in the desert now, uh, with the Israelites. A quick question. Yes. Are we not to do any work at this time? There are two, good question. Yeah, so no. there are two um, high Sabbaths, as we call them. So yes. these are not Sabbaths that occur at the end of the week, like on a Saturday, right? These are different Sabbaths uh, during, they can fall wherever they fall whenever mm -hmm. the feasts come. So there are actually uh, two high Sabbaths. There's technically only one high Sabbath in the Feast of Sukkot, okay. and that is the first day of Sukkot, which was yesterday, September 23rd. Yeah. So the day after the seventh day of Sukkot is also a high Sabbath. And some people call that the eighth day of, of Sukkot. Not really yeah. technically correct, but it's, it's all kind of lumped into one. Yeah. It's kind of like when we talk about Passover, it's the entire week of Passover. Sure, right? sure, sure. So this, technically this day is called Shmini Okay. And that's the high Sabbath, the eighth day, if you will, uh, of Sukkot. And that is coming up on Thursday, September 30th. So it is technically the day after Sukkot ends, but like I said, it's often mistaken as part of the Sukkot festival. So now what's really significant about the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles is, like I said earlier, it's yeah. the day that Yeshua was born. Yeah. So this is an intermediate fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. How can something have an intermediate fulfillment? Well, if you think of the uh, the eternity sign yes. versus mm -hmm. the a linear line, right. so Greek thought thinks in, in linear. Some, yes. some, something happened once, what's coming next? Right. But right. Hebrew thought, it's not really uh, eternity sign, it's more like a circle. Yeah. Yeah. So we keep coming around to these feasts year after year after sure. year, and things can be uh, fulfilled in different ways. Yeah. Fulfilled uh, in a a physical form, sure. then fulfilled again in a, a spiritual form over and over again. So it can happen over and over again. It's not one and done. And so this is why it's an intermediate fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, which will be fulfilled in its entirety yes. when Yeshua returns to reign on this earth. And you can read all about this in the chronological gospels, which I encourage everyone to get. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Scott, we only have a minute left. Talk to us about the love gift. This is the oh, yes. this is the last time we'll be able to talk to everyone about this love gift because the next time we see you, it'll be the following month. It'll be October, and we'll have an all different love gift. So tell us about this guy. Right, essentially. So you got six days to get this. It's Alan Aguirre, whom you've been enjoying his series so far. He also did our love gift teaching, little by little. Talks about how little by little your faith can be increased, yeah. or if you forget God day by day, little by little what you have can be taken away from you. So yes. make sure you are in tune with Yehovah, great teaching. So we will give that to you as a thank you for your support of this ministry for $50 or more. If you wanna give $100 or more, we'll give you the teaching and a great set of Shabbat Shalom coffee mugs. And something we haven't talked about yet <laughs> is our, uh, our love gift that concludes with the uh, $300 uh, level. If you want to get $300 or more, first of all, thank you very much for your Indeed, sacrifice. Thank you we very appreciate much. it. Uh, we know that's a big number. And so for that, we want to give you something extra special. You can put this on your mantle. It is a, uh, a monument to the Ten Commandments, uh, decorated with a depiction of Israel on, or pardon Beautiful. me, uh, Jerusalem on top. Yes, very marble. heavy too. It is, a marble on the bottom, and also this olive wood uh, bookmark from Israel. And what's it say on there? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Psalm 122, verse 6. Amen. There you go. Amen. All right. Thank you, Ted. Well, Alan Aguirre explains what it takes to make the identity shift from being the bride of, to the bride, being the bride of Messiah, and what it means to do the works that identify us as his precious possession. But first, it is the Kiddush with Michael. Stay tuned. If you're waiting for the right moment to change your life, you're going to be waiting until it's too late. In this month's Love Gift teaching, Little by Little, Alan Aguirre reveals how the perfect plan of the Almighty is achieved through obedience in every moment of every day. Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. It's like it's all in there. All we have to do is, is do it, submit to it and do it, and cooperate with the process. Right. Little by Little will challenge you to re-examine the busyness of life and take time for the important things that will build an impenetrable fortress of faith when difficulties arise. But the only way to watch it is to receive it as our gift. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Little by Little with Alan Aguirre on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you Little by Little plus a pair of ceramic Shabbat Shalom coffee mugs, the perfect complement to your Torah study. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you little by little the Shabbat Shalom coffee mugs, plus this Ten Commandments monument, 
with a framed depiction of Jerusalem. And this unique bookmark made of olive wood from Israel, etched with a verse from Psalm 122. These are special gifts from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Remember, this offer ends September 30th and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. The night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread and he blessed the Most High. Barukata Yehovah Elohino Malakalam Hamotzi Lachem Miharetz. And he said, This represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do it from now on, understand this has always represented my broken body. And often, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of what I'm about to do for you. Then he took his cup and he told his disciples after he blessed it, after he blessed the Most High, and he said, Baruch Atah Yehovah, Elohino Melaka Alam, Borei Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth and has created the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, you divide my cup of among yourselves. And as he passed his cup around and they poured a bit of his into their cups, it got back to him empty and he said, I will not drink a drop of the fruit of the vine till I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. But as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Not only that I will pay for the broken covenant, that I will pay for the transgression, that I will renew the covenant in my blood but also remember that I am waiting for you at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that is when I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. My wife and I have been married for over 25 years now. And when we had first met, Yehovah gave me a dream. And it was Yeshua leading me through a field. I always say I knew it was him because he looked like he dressed like Yeshua. And I looked up at his face and I couldn't see facial figures. All I saw was facial features I was. It just, just a bright light. I thought, oh, this is Yeshua. So he's leading me through the field. He picks a head of grain, rolls it in his hands, and looks at me and says, this is your life, what are you gonna do with it? And I lean over and I blow the chaff from his hand and all that's left is the kernels and he closes it back up in his hand, says very good, turns around, walks away and I look in the field and there's my wife sitting in the field, end of the dream. So that told me I have to do something with my life. Here is your life, what are you gonna do with it? You have to do something with it. And if you do something with it, I will give you the blessings of having this woman as your wife and together you will have a life together. I mean, that's essentially what I gathered from it and that's what we've lived for the last 25 years. So you are a believer in Yehovah and in Yeshua. What are you going to do with it? You gotta do something with it. You've gotta have a guidance. I mean, yes, you can use the Bible as guidance, but wouldn't it be great if you had a field manual well, we've got one. Alan Aguirre, welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. Thank you. You have written this book as a field manual for believers. Yes. What do we do with the Exodus story? How did Paul talk about the Exodus story? Where does that lead us to now? I mean, we need a field manual for what's happening. There are all kinds yeah. of trickery going on in our, in our governments, in our world. What are we being led through? What are we being tricked into? How can we have spiritual discernment? That's why I loved you that you've read this book, or wrote, wrote, written this book. And so we wanted to have you back to talk more about this. Um, one of the first things you talk about in the book is something we didn't get to last week, was uh, the Exodus. So, so God has Israel dress in battle array, basically get them ready, put them through right. boot camp, and it seems for nothing. Right. But is it for nothing? Right, right. Well, it's, again, Israel is a shepherding people 
and they've been in Egypt for 400 years. So they're Egyptians, essentially. They, uh, the hieroglyphics they, we, you have here in the, uh, here in the studios, mm-hmm. right? The petroglyphs, those are incredibly Egyptian. And it's because that's, that's what they were, that's the culture they had been in for 400 years mm. since Joseph. But they're a shepherding people. They're not a warring people. And so when they leave after the, after the Passover, the initial Passover, they walk out of Egypt with all the spoils of Egypt dressed in battle array. But God has them go the long way around so as to avoid, avoid a potential fight with the Philistines in case they picked a fight. He knew that Israel would cower and turn back and go back to Egypt. So even though he has them dressed up for battle, he has them go the long way around. He's beginning the process of identity, which is essential and crucial, especially for us today, because we lack a lot of the foundation that the Acts Church had. They didn't have, the, the Acts Church had a foundation in Torah. They had a foundation in understanding of Moses. They had all these pieces to their faith that when Jesus showed up and started speaking what is called a feast speak, mm-hmm. agricultural uh, verbiage, or you know, for the uh, the, the parables and stuff mm-hmm. and the object lessons, because it's an agricultural calendar, things of that nature. Christians, Gentile, Protestant, Evangelicals, we have nothing like that at all. We don't have a reference, right? So he has Israel dressed up in battle array because he's beginning the process of identity, because they're going to have to be shaped and formed from a shepherding people into a warring people, because they don't know this yet, but their prophetic destiny, their tomorrow, mm-hmm. the promised land, is occupied by the demonic strain of humanity. They're not entirely human. The Nephilim from Genesis 6, the giants. And they're going to have to dispossess them a very uh, the word possess in the Hebrew is very violent. They're going to have to eradicate this demonic strain of humanity from the earth. That's what they're being called to do. That was the prophecy Abram received 400 years prior to that. The Nephilim iniquity has to mature, and then at that point, Israel is going to be released from their Egyptian slavery to go and take care of this and eradicate this iniquity from the earth. That's going to require war. They are not those type of people. So they leave Egypt dressed in battle array. He takes them the long way around to avoid the fight. And then he begins the process of identity from being a shepherding people, sheep, to warriors. Essentially kings and priests, right? Mm-hmm. Kings expand territory. Priests bring heaven down over that territory. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. So he puts them in battle array, even though they're not ready to get them used to the idea that this is where they're going. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, think of the prodigal son. The prodigal son comes back to his father. I am less than your servant. Your servant is better off than I. I'm less than that. And the father's like, no, you're my son. And then, see, the, the beautiful part about the prodigal son is the father saw him coming from afar. The father had mm-hmm. always, he was anticipating his return and was looking for it and awaiting his return. Mm. From afar, he sees him coming. And what does he do with the prodigal? No, you're my son. You're not a servant. You're my son. Mm -hmm. Put a ring on his finger. Why? Identity. I see that ring. If I was nothing, I wouldn't have this ring. Put a fine robe on him. Identity. Mm. Kill the fatted calf. Throw a party. My son who was lost has been found and he's come back. All this, right, identity. We, I've, I, I, I've, been, a, I've been a Christian for 40, 40 plus years and I see a lack of identity every time I turn around when it comes to the church. Jesus is coming back. Messiah is coming back for the bride, not the church. The church needs an identity shift. One, just to be better at representing God, Mm -hmm. the Father, but not just that, but better at representing Messiah, His Holy Spirit, let alone themselves. Mm. It's all identity. 
They don't have the proper identity. So the church and the you see the church and the bride as being different, or in the same but just I, lacking identity, or well, what? I think the well, the bride is the mature is what the church needs to mature itself oh, to. Okay, right? Because mm-hmm. he's coming back for a bride, for right. the bride, not the church. Never says he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for the bride, and the bride readies herself, mm. and, and is and is granted. The word granted is used. Is granted. Uh, to dress, to prepare herself to be clothed in fine linen, which is what? The righteous deeds, the righteous works. Mm. We don't, works is a bad word in Christendom. Well, we're not saved by works. We're not talking about salvation, dude. I'm talking to you because you're already saved. Right. We're talking about your responsibility. Your, yeah. Your dream. Right, yeah. Of what you need to do. Just like the way I did that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Nice segue. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have the responsibility of what? Well, we were created for good works in Messiah. Mm-hmm. James says the works of Torah, the golden works of Torah, mm-hmm. of obedience. Every epistle Paul wrote, if you used to steal, stop stealing. If you used to kill, stop killing. If you used to lie, stop lying. These are the works of Torah, mm-hmm. the works of keeping the God's covenant, God's commandments, doing, uh, aligning yourself with the rules of engagement, once again, mm-hmm. that are yours, that you need, you know, that's where the identity process comes in, mm-hmm. right? So, I'm not talking to you. Yes, we're not saved by works. Absolutely, we're not saved by works. But once you come to, come to Messiah, you have the responsibility of doing the works of salvation. Mm-hmm. And Paul even says, man, you better make sure your, your salvation is secure. How? Obedience. Do something. Do something. What? Yeah. Do, do the manual. Mm-hmm. Do, the, do the instructions. Right? So... Our identity process has to be, well, we we don't have an identity. Our identity is in Christianity, not in Messiah. Our identity is in a religion, a man-made based tradition, construct, versus the the reality of the scriptures and what the scriptures literally say about us. Kings and priests, right? Holy, treasured possession, Hmm. right? Um, Let alone... The representatives of Messiah, we're supposed to put on the armor of light, Paul says. Again, Paul, mm-hmm. right? And so that those transitions, those 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 steps, the process, uh, we, the word boot camp comes up when we're when we're talking about the field manual. Yeah, Israel's going to go through a boot camp that's going to strip them from their fear. Mm-hmm. Doubt, unbelief, because that's what got him killed in the desert. Fear, doubt, and unbelief. Uh-huh. Right? And it has to, they have to put on what instead? Oh, it's called the, the mind of Messiah. Mm. Right? Uh, throw yourself, you know, and, and then the parts, all those moving pieces, it's, it's a machine, right? Uh, put, throw yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice, which is your temple duty, mm-hmm. uh, right? On and on and on. Uh, don't walk, don't be carnal minded. Right, the, the the carnal mind and the and, and God's it's, mm-hmm. they're an enmity with against each other. But instead, walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You won't do the the deeds of the flesh if you do so. These are all those alignments. It's like steering the Titanic for most people. All that stuff mm-hmm. is what gives you the spiritual authority and the spiritual discernment to navigate these treacherous waters, to navigate the the, the fiery serpents in the desert. To navigate uh, the, the rebellion of Korah. Do I go with Korah or do I stand firm with uh, Aaron and Moses? Oh, man. Right? And, and here's what's crazy. We're just like Israel. Because after God opens up the earth and swallows up Korah and his cohorts. Mm-hmm. And then, right? Stay away from them, you know, and everything. Everybody, all their possessions, their whole fam, all their families, everything gets eaten up. Nothing like that had happened before. The next day, Israel stands, comes against Moses again and says, yesterday you killed God's people. Because, you know, Moses is, I figure if Moses has that type of power and authority and that kind of mojo to be able to open up the earth, right? It was obviously God. They're still coming against him. Even still, yesterday you killed God's people and Moses is like, oh no. And, and a plague, a virus starts wiping people out. And, and it says that Aaron was standing between the living and the dead because mm-hmm. he had to do the, the, the atonement. Yeah. And when the atonement was completed, there were still 14,000 lay dead. 
And that took some time because they, it, 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 was a, it was a messy, messy scene. We have to have the spiritual discernment and the spiritual authority to know how to navigate. Do I go that way? Do I go this way? Do I hold? Holding is just as important as going, right? And all of these, all of these principles. Well, the holding is just as important as going. That brings up an interesting point where we've talked about the works. Mm -hmm. The works are not necessarily, we talked about do something. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, do something or stop doing something. A lot of this is just stopping doing stuff. I mean, yeah. stop sinning, stop doing this, stop yeah. doing that. Those are the works of, of the Spirit. And, and then by, by in doing so, you will have the fruit of the Spirit. And they, you will be more, you know, you, God will say, okay, now I can trust you. Here's another download. Right. Now here's what I want you to do. You stop doing the, the garbage. Here's the good stuff I now want you to do. Right. And so Israel is going through this process, right? The identity process, being dressed in battle array. The prodigal son is going to have to start over. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. he's going to have to, you know, his habits, something's happened to the prodigal. He's come back. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to have to start from there, right? The identity. And the same with us. We, we have to have the identity of, oh, I'm, Christians believe that they're sinners saved by grace. No, you're the righteousness of, of, of God in Messiah. There's mm -hmm. a, that's a totally different, that's two different things. Mm-hmm. I'm the righteousness of, of Father, God, and Messiah. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace is more biblical. Mm -hmm. But I'm the righteousness of Messiah. I'm the righteousness of God and Messiah. That's a whole different identity shift. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Israel, once again, uh, uh, Joshua chapter 5, the circumcision at Gilgal. I, with this circumcision, I, I'm going to roll off the stigma of Egypt off your back, is what God says to Joshua. What's the, what's the stigma of Egypt? We were slaves. Slaves don't have an inheritance. In order for Israel to walk into their prophetic inheritance, inheritance of sonship, they had to have their Egyptian slave mentality rolled off of them through mm -hmm. that circumcision. Man, most of the people I... I, I most. Most people of faith still think and process like Egyptian slaves. They have an Egyptian slave mentality. They don't have the inheritance, the inheritance of sonship mentality that comes with your identity in Messiah. Hmm. And, they, and in order for that to happen, they need a revelation of the person of Jesus. And well, that's why we do what we do. That's mm -hmm. why we're here. Because even, I, I mean, you can be saved 20, 30 years and still be straining on the gnat of your identity. I see it all right. the time. I see it all the time. Yeah, because it's, it's who, who are you? Who was he? He is the Torah. Get used to it. Yeah. You know, that, and it's, I love what you say about, you brought about the, um, uh, the prodigal son, is that it, it didn't matter what he did or what happened to him. He was always the son. Right. I don't care what you, yeah, of course, I'd, I'd rather you not sin, says sure. Jehovah to us. But here, have the ring, have the rule. Right. You've always been my son. And until I realize that, I think we mentioned it in the last episode, it, it, that comes out in how we pray. Oh God, please this, oh please that. Sounds like an Egyptian slave. Oh please master, please master. Instead of, I have rights as a son. Thank you, Jehovah. I respect you. Can, boldly, can we do this according to your will? Boldly yes. unto the throne of grace. Yes. But there we go. don't, right? These are all niceties. They're little doilies in your Christian bookstore. You know, <laughs> they're not, they're not like foundations of our of our life. Mm -hmm. It's called kingdom lifestyle. You know? We have um so so the church, mm -hmm. once the church starts figuring this stuff out she'll be able to start walking and thinking and preparing herself as the bride. See? Go get ready. He's mm -hmm. coming. The bridegroom is, is coming. And, and that process, it requires the, the training, mm -hmm. right? Israel's, Israel is, is our manual blueprint. Don't do what they did. Mm -hmm. Do what they were supposed to do. Do it like this. This is this is you're here. There's no replacement theology. This is this is covenant. We're talking about covenant. And once we align ourselves with those covenantal promises, realities, identities, mm -hmm. we 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 will we can start making the transition from church to bride. Mm 
Do you see that transition as having to go through a crisis as, as uh, Everyone, Israel was in the Egypt? You know, they had to come to the brink. Everybody has to go through their desert. Yeah. Paul got saved, submits himself to the leadership, and then, right, Saul. Mm -hmm. And then what does he do? He disappears to Arabia for like 15, 14, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Comes back and submits himself again, right? David on the lamb for like 15 years. You know, Jesus had to go through his 40 day in the desert. It's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's, yeah. It, the desert experience is, is, is imperative and crucial. Look at Joseph. Look at what Joseph went through to become second Pharaoh, mm -hmm. right? It feels like, it feels like hell, but you think God's in it. Mm -hmm. That's how you get out of, that's how you get from that point to that point. If we, you can't, this is not designed to be done alone. It was never designed to be done alone. You have to go through this with uh, older, your older brothering, you know, fellowship, leadership, accountability. Hmm. That's the, you know, that's the model. There's a church model in the New Testament for us, you know, and you know, it, it's not designed. You can't, you can't do this by yourself. You go through the desert by yourself. You, you don't come out right or correct on the other side. Hence, all these. Goofy, crazy things that people believe and teach. Mm -hmm. That you know, I was I was watching the, this new series, The Chosen. I was watching the episode, uh, season two, uh, episode three. Uh, it's it's the behind the scenes of the of the uh, the disciples at camp while Jesus is ministering, and they're they're having their conversations about you know various things. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sitting there watching, and I'm like, man, this would make a great Bible study. Just watching this episode with a group of people would make a great Bible study. Problem, though, is the majority, 80-plus percent of Christianity that's, that watched that episode had no idea of the conversation that was happening between the disciples. They don't know what mitzvahs are. They don't mm. know the difference between rabbinical tradition and scriptural Torah observance, you know, actual commandments, right? They, were, they, they would be completely lost watching just that episode alone. Well, that's why we do what we do. Again, we, we're, we're trying, we're here to equip, our goal and desire is to equip the non-believer as well as the believer to the things of God that have, that, that were, I'll, I'll use the word done away with, because they were done away with, as, right? That's why they're not a part of our faith. They're, they're supposed to be a part of our faith. They're not for a reason. There's an agenda. When you realize that the, Prince of this world is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Everything that you your life has been based on has been based on a, on, a, on a lie, untruth, deceit, which is why it's so important to come to the truth of Messiah mm. and salvation. And then the covenants of God, Ephesians 2, it draws you, you, know, you, were, you were far away from the covenants of God and, and through the blood of Messiah, you've been brought near. Same thing. Mm. Well, we need the rules of engagement to make it through this. And that is where we're gonna head next. So if you are enjoying this as much as I am having Alan on this stage, thank you for making it happen. It's your donations that allow us to bring Alan in and create these episodes for Shabbat Night Live. We're gonna ask now that you would continue to support this program in the next couple of minutes so that we can continue having Alan back and other guests uh, like him to bring these things to you. So uh, we thank you in advance. We'll give you a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. We are welcoming back Alan Aguirre. Alan, we're talking about your new book, Exodus to Ingathering, a field manual. Uh, this has not only replications from Exodus, but Paul talks about it. Uh, in fact, you, you make a point through this whole thing that Paul mentions the Exodus. And then I kind of fast forward to where we are today and what kind of lessons can we use here uh, so as not to be ignorant and not fall into the same trap, yeah. what can we learn? And one of the things you, you and I talked about uh, during the break there was that, you know, people have this idea of once saved, always saved. Uh, and now I don't have to do anything. Yay, Yeshua did it all. Tra-la-la, let's just wait for the, the rapture. Right. You know, that's, that's typically Ooh, the there's idea. A, there's a rapture coming? <laughs> And then, but then, as you mentioned, the, yeah, I don't see it in the it's book either. either. So, <laughs> the great thing was that you mentioned Passover. Oh, if man. once the blood was put on the lintels, did the, that's what you said, and I was like, that's a good point. Did the Israelites say, yay, we're saved, it's all done? No. They may have thought that, but it wasn't nearly all done. Then they had right. to go through their exodus and all the rest of it. Right. So, so you say that our prophetic inheritance is not something we're just going to be handed. 
No. We're going to have to fight for this. Yeah. Our, Israel is delivered from Egypt so that they can go and possess their prophetic inheritance. They have to go and get their prophetic inheritance. Go and get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're doing this, this trek. Now, the trek should have lasted a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. The only reason why it lasted 40 years was because they did not submit to the rules of engagement. Mm. They did not submit to what God, right? Look at Sinai. They get to Sinai. It's, it's been a mess. Those first 40 days are a mess, right? They, 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 they fell the test of manna. They fell the test of keeping the Sabbath holy. I mean, it's just one thing after another. They're complaining. One of the things Paul says that God Israel killed in the desert was grumbling. Mm. They grumbled and they complained. Wow, that can get you killed? Apparently. And so it, there's this constant something, and they wouldn't align trust. Instead, it's fear, doubt, unbelief, right? Mm. So in the, the Exodus in Gathering Field Manual series, because it is a series, we've got two, and the one that's coming up is about walking the, the chosen path, uh, more of a focus on, okay, how, how did Jesus go about doing everything we just did, we, right? The first one's talking about uh, the Exodus in the, in the desert. What happened, you know, what did Israel do to miss out on their prophetic inheritance? Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure we don't miss out on our prophetic inheritance based on what Paul says in Corinthians? So the second field manual that's out now is a covenant culture, right? It's, it's a lifestyle of covenant. It's, it's kingdom lifestyle. And then the next one that's coming out this, this next spring will be uh, all, of, all of that in, with a more New Testament light. Now, we do touch on New Testament uh, teachings throughout the devotionals in, in the first two. Mm. Absolutely. So we have the Passover lamb. But now they have to go and possess their prophetic inheritance. And their prophetic inheritance is riddled with giants. Right? Now, these are not just figuratively these are physical, actual, the Nephilim from Genesis 6. Right now, a lot of us are dealing with figurative giants. What's coming, though, is actually going to be like, you know, like Genesis 6, according to Revelations. So for us to go out and actually secure our prophetic inheritance is going to require, like you said, we have to go and do something. Again, we're not talking about going out and doing works Unto salvation. No, we're already saved. We're doing the works that come with our salvation, right? We have to grow up. We have to become mature. We have to learn the Father's heart so we can start. Remember, remember when we got saved, we were told uh, there was a nice, uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the one-liners of coming to Jesus, getting saved was, it was, you're supposed to become like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a concept I think that's been lost. So I come to Jesus, I get saved, I come to Messiah, now I have to become like Jesus. How do I become like Jesus? Well, that's what we're talking about. Hmm. And whenever Jesus was approached with these type of things, he would defer to Moses. Um, they asked him, well, what, do, what, do you, what do you say about divorce? He's, and he tells them, what did Moses say? Because it's already been established, right? So, our process of becoming like Messiah is so that we can get to the point where we can in, uh, acquire, obtain, possess our prophetic inheritance. Israel had to be circumcised at Gilgal in order to go into, walk into the promised land and, up, and, and, and secure their inheritance because only sons have an inheritance. As long as they had the stigma of Egypt, mm-hmm. right? Slavery, that slave mentality, it was going to be lost on them. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Right, there you go. So they had to be circumcised in order to walk into their prophetic inheritance. We have to be circumcised, our mind, our heart, in order for us to even get near the process of obtaining our prophetic inheritance. Mm. Right? Now, your prophetic inheritance is different than my prophetic inheritance. We all have the same prophetic inheritance, generally, as, as a body, and that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. How, we get, how you get to the marriage supper of the Lamb is, is between you and the Father. How I get to the marriage supper of the Lamb is between me and the Father. Now, that doesn't mean your truth is, that doesn't mean truth is fluid. No, that means 
That means um, mine has mine has had to do with music and now books. You see what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. what I mean yeah. by your 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 way is different than my way because I'm not living your life. Right. But we but we but it's all under the same truth, the same absolutes of the scriptures. Right. I don't want anyone to think that truth is fluid and your truth is yours and mine's mine. No, that's we're not universalists here. Right. Uh, you know that's that's. That's, that's so, false. So it's not unlike, so first of all, you're a son, act like it. Yes. Right? So you're a son, act like it. So if you're going to be in my house, says Yehovah, right. you're going to follow my rules. Right. And son A, Alan, is different from son B, Scott. You each have different paths in life. Right. But you're still under the rules of the house. Right. Absolutely. The rules of engagement. So act like it. Don't embarrass me. Right, right. So remember, so what we used to tell our kids: remember, remember who, who you who, who you come from, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. don't embarrass the family name. Right. And I say, I still firmly believe that that's a greater part of what um, what it means to be uh, taking the name in vain. Mm-hmm. So to me, I mean, I said, what does the Bible mean to you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is one aspect that helps me remember what it's supposed to mean. Is when you take the name, you we become a Christian, one right. of Christ, right? So you are taking His name literally, like a woman takes a man's name in marriage and become, you know, take the last name. So you are taking His name. So if you are taking His name as part of the bride. Don't embarrass him. Right, represent. Don't take his name and then embarrass him. And you've now you've taken it in vain. Yeah. That's what it means to me. That's good. Yeah. And it's true. So as we do this, as we go forward, what Paul says it's like an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to practice, or like a musician, you have to practice. You have to get really good at your craft, mm-hmm. at what it is that you do. We have to become really, really good at representing Father God on earth as it is in heaven. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? So part of those things are, you know, um, well, it's all about stewardship, obviously. So part of that stewardship is the, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, um, these are the signs, the gifts that will represent, um, that, that'll tell and show that you're my disciple. You're going to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, for example, speak in tongues. Those, that's part of this process of entering into your prophetic inheritance. Mm-hmm. See, Messiah says, I only, know the, I only know those that do the will of my Father. So we need to know, not think, well, I think this is God's will, or I, I feel this is, no. You need to know what God's will is for your life. And in the only way you or I are going to know God's will for our life is we have to be able to hear his voice. Mm. And in order to hear his voice is going to take covenant, it's going to take relationship, prayer, fasting, fellowship. You know what? If I want to be a really good anything, I better hang out with those that are really good at that same thing. Mm-hmm. So you can't do this by yourself. you got to be in fellowship, accountability. That's why he made some apostles, prophets, mm-hmm. evangelists, teachers, pastors, right? Why? For the equipping of the saints so that they'll be mature and not be tossed to and fro. I mean, it's it's all right there. And, you know, we see that even in, in just, I'm thinking of what you're thinking, you know, spiritually here, I, I see what you're saying in a physical sense where those families where, say, the kids take on the, the family business, yeah. they're tight-knit, they know each other. Yep. If I was dad, I know what he would do in this situation, right? So I, I can run the business right. according to how he would because I know him and I've spent time with him. Uh, or, or fishing, I fish with dad. This is how dad ties right. a lure. This is how you go fishing. So you, you know dad's business. But if those families that, oh, dad was never here or yeah. dad left, what happens to those families? The kids go awry typically. There's, there's, just, there's no direction or somebody's got to find their way the hard way right. without dad being there. So we have to know our father by what? Spending time with him, right. being about his business, business. doing Je- his stuff. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Once again, Joshua chapter 5, inheritance, circumcision, sonship, mm-hmm. the inheritance of sonship. Yeah. yeah I know be- what my Father does. I know what his business is, and I'm in the family business. Even if we're adopted, right? Because that, right? you're adopted, yep. you're brought in, you still have to obey the rules of the house. Right. You're I- still going to take on dad's business or whatever it is. Right. You're going to eat the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Let's get into something here about um, shaping and molding us. So, so as you mentioned, Israel was a shepherding people. They were like sheep. 
uh, and we need to be molded into warriors. And because of our prophetic inheritance, as you say here, will have to be fought for spiritually. And right. we, we talked about all that. What do you see happening today? You know, there've been events in the last couple of years uh, that, I mean, I'm surprised to see a lot of folks who would call themselves Christians just in fear doing things that they're, they're, it's almost like you feel like saying, wake up, what are you doing? Uh, what, what do you make? I mean, this is just one test. We're not right. going to talk about this one situation, but this is a test of what's coming. This is just part one of what we're going to be up against. Yeah. What do you make of this? Well, it's, it's, it's startling only because it's actually happening, but I'm not surprised because if you, wa- if you do this thing called faith with a carnal mind, that means you're not doing it with a spiritual mind. Mm-hmm. If you're not spiritually minded, you're going to fear the giants in your land, in your mm. territory. You're going to fear the fact that you look, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna heed the bad report, mm-hmm. right? They, what, was, what were they told by Caleb and Joshua? Don't heed the bad report. God has lifted his blessing right off of them. The giants will be your bread. Mm. Joshua and Caleb thought differently than the other 80%, 9.6, 10 spies. They were all feared out in unbelief. Oh, they're definitely more in the land. We look like grass out. They're going, we, there's no way. We, we are doomed. It was mm. bad. If you read the account, it was so bad. And, that, and I've always wondered, well, why was God's punishment so severe? Well, because this is a 400-year prophecy in the making. Mm. Joshua and Caleb are walking in the promised land. A 400-year prophecy has been fulfilled and completed. They're in the land for 40 days. Imagine having to turn away from that. Mm. That, was, that, would, that was brutal, right? God's been working on this for 400 years, and they've chosen not to cooperate, but to actually listen to the enemy of their souls instead, who's a what? A liar and a murderer, Mm -hmm. right? So, no, the giants will be our bread. We've got this. We can actually do this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even though it looked insurmountable. I'm sure to them it looked insurmountable on the surface. But see, there was a difference between Joshua and Caleb than the other 10 guys, and that's... They walked in the spirit. They had, they, they, had, they had relationship with the Father, spiritual relationship, mm-hmm. not just, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, what, what's that awesome meme? Uh, every, everyone's a Christian until things start getting biblical. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. Yeah. So I've, I'm watching these last, we'll call it two years. It's been actually a little less than that, which is scary. Isn't it? Right? Um, What is it, 15, 18 months? I'm watching people of faith making their decisions all based on their their flesh, Mm -hmm. on the carnal mind. They're not being spiritual. But it's an actual... uh, But of course they're doing that. Why? Well, because the first thing they did was they refuted, they distanced themselves, and they rejected and demonized the spirit of prophecy that came in the last four or five years, which is the testimony of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, when you reject the spirit of prophecy, what do I mean by reject the spirit of prophecy? Yeah, I was going to, what what are you talking about specifically here? Well, I'm not going to say what I'm speaking about specifically, but what I mean is... Mm -hmm. I believe the spirit of prophecy is alive today. I believe there are prophets, vetted prophets in the earth today. And that there are actually functioning prophets on earth today that are vetted, that aren't just some flying, you know. I mean, I, I, I spoke a word October 1st of 2019. You brought it I, up. I want to bring that, yeah. Bring right? that I spoke a word live on my Tuesday morning show. I do a show every Tuesday morning for three plus years, the Chameleon Church show. And on October 1st, 2019, I spoke a word, a prophetic word, and then all this crazy stuff happened. Mm-hmm. 
right? Now, am I saying I'm, I'm a prophet? I'll say that I have prophetic moments. I'll say that because it's it's scary <laughs> for people. If, yeah. It's scary for people to hear someone say, I'm a prophet, I'm an apostle. But you, you didn't know. even know it at the time. You didn't know until several months later in Passover, Yehovah reminded you to look back, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. t- tell us that. So so I, I spoke this word, which was a prophetic word mm-hmm. on October 1st. It's on YouTube. It's it's. Live. You showed me. It's, it's there. there. Yeah, it's yeah. there. I can't mm-hmm. hide it. I, you know. And I actually so and then Passover night, right? 2020. 2020. Um, one of the most biblical Passovers in his modern history. <laughs> I mean, For reasons we won't get into. But anyway, um, I was watching something up on. I was watching a Lance Wallnow thing that he did that day, and when it was and it was around midnight, and everyone's asleep, and I I finished watching Lance, and and God goes. Remember that that prophetic word you spoke on the Chameleon Church show a few months back? He goes, yeah. He goes, go find it. And I'm like, how am I? I do one. I do an hour and a half every Tuesday morning for for how, three years. How am I going to find this thing? You know, let alone the exact moment that I spoke it. You know, well, when it's God, because on my second attempt, I literally found the right episode and scrubbed it to the moment mm-hmm. he's asking me to go find. it. Go, go, remember that word I gave you? Go listen to that word. Hmm. And so I did, and I went back, and it's a five-minute edited clip now on hmm. the Chameleon Church YouTube page for you. You can go and look at it yourself. But it's, the word was, the entire planet is going to the next stage. We're not graduating, and it's not the next level. It's the next stage, because so regardless of who you are, whether you're saved, regardless of your maturity level, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We're all going to the next stage, and God is saying, enough! But as a loving father, he's telling his adult child, come on, man, it's, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up in, me, in the things of me. And everybody was going to be on the same plane. All of everyone, a sudden, everyone's, everyone's going to be everyone, equal. Everyone. If you will, a great reset if you will. So, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I also said that if you haven't figured these things out by then, mm-hmm. probably won't. Yep. And then look at what we've seen in the last 12 to 15, 18 months when it comes to people of faith. They're not walking in their, with a spiritual mindset. Mm-hmm. Everything they're doing is based on the carnal mindset. And, and you know what they're saying? They've rejected the spirit of prophecy, which is what? We've got this. We can take the giants. The giants will be our bread. God has lifted his whatever from them, like he told Abram 400 years prior that he would do. Mm-hmm. We've got this. We can, we can take that. We can take the land. And that's the mentality we need to have now. Yeah. We can take this. Joshua this and no Caleb. Problem. We need the Joshua and Caleb spirit yep. of, pro- of prophecy and warrior, God warrior mentality mm-hmm. that says, yeah, regardless of what it looks like in the flesh, we've got this. The other 80%, the other 10 guys, no, the flesh is good. We're going to die. Mm. And they resorted to their carnal mind, which means no spiritual authority, put fear and doubt in the people. And Paul says the premise of this is that was uh, one of the big things that got them killed in the desert. Mm. Let's come back next week, talk more about this. I'll come back. This is not done. Okay. Alan McGuire, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on Shabbat Night Live. I'm loving this series. I hope you are. We'll see you next week. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Have a good week. (laughs) 